leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I know it's been a while since we've had just one guest on where we're sharing their story, their struggles of breaking into security, as well as their ability to inspire other people that are following in their path. Um, that's really what started breaking into cybersecurity. Um, myself and Renee, we kept getting the same questions over and over. What do we need to do to break into cybersecurity? Um, what certs, what education, and what we've learned that is that there's so many different ways in, we, there's no one right answer. So rather than us giving what we think is an answer, we want to sh share and spotlight the stories of individuals who have broken in within the past five years. And today we have um, Beth Bethany Neal um, that's on with us, and she is sharing her story and um, hopefully we can help inspire others that are looking to break into the field as well. Hey, Bethany, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Great, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, I'm excited you reached out to me. Absolutely, I'm always looking for, for new stories, those that have broken in, and um, because we need diverse people, we need diverse experiences, we need diverse points of views. So I'm always looking for individuals that have come from a different path or experienced something differently um, so that we can highlight their stories. So let's let's talk about you. Like, what was your journey into cyber? You want to give us some of your background? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. There's no one way into cybersecurity and the way it's happening now is completely different than maybe it was 10 years ago. Um, I talked to my current mentor all the time about it. He came in pretty much at the start before cybersecurity was even a thing. And so now cybersecurity is a thing. It's kind of hard to get into just because people are um, expecting all this experience and kind of just have very high expectations on things. So for myself, I actually didn't want to do security to begin with. I wanted to be a network administrator so I went to school for an associate's degree for network administration. I was the only girl in my class to graduate, which was fun. And then I was also the only person, very few people in the school to actually go into security. So I, <laughs> I started out with wanting to get into network administration and I got an internship as part of my associate's degree at a hospital and that was unique in that they told me basically to do printing jobs only. And I was like, okay, well, all right, maybe this isn't for me. And mm -hmm. then one of my teachers in school had been like, 
you guys should put in applications to this nuclear facility because they have a security program. And I was like, okay, well, I tried an internship doing network administration. And then, <laughs> so I might as well try security. So I applied for the internship and I was like, there's no way I'm going to get it. This is an mm -hmm. international internship. And I mean, there are people who look way better on paper than I do, but they called me in and I was very excited. And my first mentor there, he was a army ginger balding kind of guy and he's really funny. And he told me the reason why he had selected me was because I was one of the very few girls mm -hmm. to apply for the internship. And I was like, okay, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity that was given to select girls for this. And there were two others who came on with me and it was interesting. We worked as kind of SOC analysts and they didn't um, take it as seriously as I did. And I took it very seriously. I really appreciated the opportunity I was given. And I was like, if I can turn this into an actual position, that would be amazing for me. Mm -hmm. So it went on and the other two guys um, didn't continue with the internship, but I did. I continued mm -hmm. and I continued doing SOC analyst work for them. And they're like, you know, you can stay with us for as long as you're pursuing a degree. So I started going after my bachelor's degree. So I was like, okay, well, hopefully this will land me a job here because I really want to work here. My mentor is really amazing. Mm -hmm. The downside to that place was <laughs> it was the first place I had experienced sexism. And that was unbelievable. Like you hear girls mentioning it all the time, but you don't think that it's going to happen to you until it does. Mm-hmm. And when it does happen, you're like, is this sexism? And you're like, well, if I'm questioning if it is, it probably is. Yeah. So yeah. one of the guys hated my guts. He was very sexist. And um, like I told my mentor about it and he's like, I understand where you're coming from. Here's what we're going to try to do about it. And then I, because <laughs> I raised the issue. Mm hmm. Another higher up person in the company, not my mentor, he's he was great. Mm -hmm. Another higher up person told me that I needed to chill out. Um, and I was like, you know, it's okay if I don't land a job here anymore because I don't want to work for that. Yeah. So one of my mentors there, he was a malware analyst. He taught me a lot about malware analysis and got my head into the game. He's like, here's what you should do. Get your bachelor's and then apply for these jobs in across these states. I was like a little scared because I was like, I didn't plan on moving out of state, but then I was like, you know, this could be awesome. Mm -hmm. So I applied for out of state and I landed a job who didn't care that I didn't have my bachelor's yet. They're like, as long as you continue in it and you get it, you know, you can come work for us. And so I came and worked for them. And that was unique too. <laughs> um, I really appreciated my teammates that I was working with. One of them was going after assist. The other one was just this amazing, incredibly smart guy. He, um, he had his OSCP and he was only like 25 at the time. And I was like, I've never met someone as smart as this guy. And he taught me a lot and he got me on the track to doing my CEH and he supported me through my bachelor's degree and he was just so cool, but there was some rocky things at the company and we both ended up 
leaving the company to go other places. Well, before you continue, I I feel like uh, for our audience listening, we should highlight some of the amazing things that you've done thus far. A, you, you, you experienced an internship that you didn't like, but you didn't quit. You got, you applied to an internship that you didn't think you would get and you got, and you made the most of it. Um, Frankly, like just the mindset that you have there, that is critical to highlight for for some that are going through this is that it's not always going to be easy. And (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Um, And and then it sounds like one of the other things that 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 you've been doing and, and you found mentors and individuals to reach out to at every step in the process. It sounds like inside the company and outside the company that are helping you guide and advise your career, which is a a great thing because I don't think a lot of people think to reach out to that many people to guide their Mm -hmm. career. I think people are really scared of asking for help, Um, but my first mentor had put it in my brain that everyone needs help and just to ask for it or otherwise you're going to be the stupidest person in the room forever. So I was like, okay, I'll just ask whoever I need help from. And you know- What are some of the things that you would recommend to those asking for help? Like, um, what resources do you use or how did you approach asking people? Um, What are your tips in in those areas? So that's a really good question. For me, it kind of came naturally. um, And for a lot of people, especially the men in the industry, they're not going to have the same mindset because men are raised to believe that they have to be these stoic creatures that have to do everything, know everything, and it's very toxic. And so for them, it's really hard to... Sorry, I just saw... (laughs) No no worries. Um, Yeah, so for men, it's it's toxic in their heads that they can't ask for help, and for girls, it comes more naturally, um, I think just because we're more empathetic creatures. And so it's all about breaking that mindset, really. You know, you will never know everything. And that's okay. It's perfectly okay to not know everything. There's no way you can know everything. You're not vision from Marvel. Um, and people who pretend to know everything, they just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really shows a lot about their personality if they do think they know everything. So when it comes to asking for help and searching for mentors, start asking questions. If you see someone and you like what they're doing in their career, you reach out to them and you say, I like what you're doing. I want to learn that. I have so many questions for you and they will help you. I have never met a single person that has been like, nah, you need to get away from here. I've it's people are usually willing to help. Like there was a pen tester at the nuclear site. Mm -hmm. He taught me some pen testing things. That was amazing. He wasn't really a people person. He was just interested in teaching others what he loved to do. Mm -hmm. So really it's just about asking and asking questions about what you love. Wow. That's, that's so spot on. Like a having, finding out the passion in yourself and having that self-discovery that uh, you don't know everything, but then finding out the areas that you want to ask for help in. Cause I think that's the other thing, like uh, especially those looking to break in, they don't know where to focus. Uh, there's so many different things. Like right? but it, it, it sounds like you've, you found some people with different interests so that you could figure out what you like and what you don't like mm-hmm. and then help guide your career path. Yes, that's exactly what I did. You know, the first uh, time I ever experienced pen testing was at that nuclear site. And I was like, this is kind of interesting. 
you know, all people new to security are like, I want to be a pen tester just because it's it's the most exciting thing you see up front. But then I continued on and met more pen testers. And I was like, that is so boring. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I met some other people who were doing like reverse engineering. And I was like, I can't wrap my head around that. But what I did like was digging the secrets out of people and organizations and finding the really dirty, juicy stuff. And then being like, this is how I would exploit you. And so mm -hmm. that's why I'm in threat intelligence now is because I just followed that loop of what I, what, what interested, it interested me is I just mm -hmm. followed that loop and somehow I ended up here. Well, let's talk about that field. Cause I don't think too many people think of threat intelligence as a position onto itself. Often it is part of another role. Uh, so for those listening, uh, tell them what, what your role is, what it does, how it functions in an organization. I love threat intelligence. <laughs> so threat intelligence is, it's kind of like a purple team in that you do both blue team and red team exercises. So you mix those skill sets together to bring value to um, the people that you're consulting for. So for me, I'm a consultant. Uh, working with my company and so companies come to us and they say we don't really know who's going to attack us we just know that we might have valuable data so it's my job then to use my um OSINT skills which is open source intelligence mm -hmm. to go and find information to see if they've already been breached to see if their credentials are out there or what kind of threat actors are already out there looking for people in those industries anyways, and what kind of attacks are being made. And then I see these are the kind of attacks that are facing your industry. Here's what I found on your organization. Here's what we can do to fix that. And, you know, there are also cases when they're like, we want to see it in action. And mm -hmm. that's when more of the red team and blue team comes into play is mm -hmm. we do malware tabletops which are these simulations for companies. We take all that we learned about them. We take some network maps and and what they're most concerned about losing. And then we create an environment that imitates their environment. And then we just wreak havoc on it. And then we, we get their blue team in there and we're like, how do you respond? And then we get their executives in there and we're like, what do you do now? Oh no, ransomware's everywhere. And they're like, ah, oh, and we're like, ah, oh, and it's just great. So threat intelligence is, it's playing the bad guy and then playing the good guy. Okay. And what are what have you learned are some of the, the key skills that makes a good threat intelligence analyst or a researcher that someone looking to come into this field should brush up on or should, um, should ensure that you're really good on if they want to become successful in this type of role? Oh, so one thing I've seen in threat intelligence, and I really want to hone in on this as a mindset thing, you need to be open-minded. You can't let your biases get in the way of things and sway your opinion on what could happen in a scenario. You have to be very open-minded and just understand that several things could happen because people are motivated by different things than what you're motivated by. So you just have to really open your mind and just, it's a mindset thing first going into threat intelligence. Mm -hmm. And then two, the kind of skill sets I would recommend for threat intelligence, because there's so many different areas in threat intelligence where your experience can come in handy. For me, it was my SOC skills. You know, I came from a security operations center environment. Mm -hmm. 
And that was very valuable to them because I already had incident response um, skill sets and experience. And so I could bring that to the table when we were doing tabletops or when we're standing up a VSOC for them or responding to incidents. So that's one of the skill sets that I would recommend is already having security operations center experience. And then, you know, if you don't, that's fine. One of the guys on our team, he came from a networking background and that's really helpful too. Mm-hmm. So he knows a lot about networks and that helps us when a client comes and they say, you know, we have these problems in our environment. How do we secure these things? And so he can go, here's where your network problems are and here are the protocols you can put in place and the different endpoints that you need to secure. So I guess their intelligence is more about coming as you are with an open mind and then applying those skill sets that you acquired in the security field. Wow. If, yeah. if you're just coming into threat intelligence, uh, you have an opportunity to learn from everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned um, OSINT skills and you, you kind of mentioned that it's open source intelligence, but what are some of the things that you do say when you're you're taking on an engagement and you're trying to do research on someone um like how would you go about um approaching that the biggest link for breaches in any company is always people so for me when it comes to a new engagement i always look at the people first Mm -hmm. so people are very easy to get information on just because of the way they are these days with social media. So I'll start with LinkedIn and I'll crawl their LinkedIn page and then I'll look for, you know, where they live, what they're doing. (laughs) And it sounds very creepy. (laughs) Listen, they told me I could. So, (laughs) and uh, so open source intelligence is just going out there and using what's available to you and gathering Mm -hmm. the information. So for me, I start with the people and then I start digging from there. You know, how would I attack this person? If he's the CEO and he's on Facebook and he's sharing things about his family. Oh, his son's name is Seth. I wonder what year Seth was born in 1995. I wonder if this password would work. Seth 1995. Oh, no, I'm in his account. I don't do that. Of course not. (laughs) Um, so w- one of the questions we got from one of our listeners is for someone breaking freshly into the industry, what areas would you recommend that they focus on if they specifically want to get into threat intelligence? OSINT. OSINT, OSINT. will your best friend in threat intelligence. Because, <laughs> I mean, they play into each other, right? Open source mm-hmm. intelligence, threat intelligence. You have to get good at gathering intelligence. The other skill set, aside from getting good at OSINT, is understanding the layers of the internet. You know, uh, people call it dark web and deep web. You should know those layers and understand where threat actors are operating and how to get into those places. So for instance, I have quite a few different dark websites that I scrape just because the intelligence is there. So you should, you know, educate yourself on the layers of the internet and how you would go about getting into those different places. And how does one find out about those different places? Uh, For me, (laughs) it was one of the mentors at my current place. Okay. His name is Jake and he's just, he's truly a threat intelligence machine. He 
he has taught me the majority of what I know about gathering intelligence from those places. Um, the other person who helped me was a networking guy. You know, he, of course, he would know about those places because he was in networking. So, I mean, for those people, there are, they should get on Discord. There's quite a few different mentor channels on Discord. So even if they don't know someone right now with that skill set, they can still reach out to people on Discord. There's one place called the Cyber Mentor. Um, it's where a lot of the people I work with now, they're part of that. Mm-hmm. So the Cyber Mentor is where you can go and you can post your questions and look for people with that kind of experience that you want to learn from. And that's how you can get a mentor. Perfect. Well, share that link with us. Um, there's a uh, chat area and I'd be happy to post it with the audience. Um, and earlier you mentioned um, coming to the, the role with an open mind. What are some of the ways that you ensure that you, there's no bias in your research um, that you're doing? Um, I like to have another person to check me on it. Okay. Um, double team it. So this is going to sound horrible and a lot of people are going to hate it. But for me personally, I love working with people with opposing views for me mm-hmm. just because I'm very liberal in my thinking. And so for me thinking about how someone would approach on a more conservative basis is a little bit harder for me. So I bring someone in with that mindset and then we go through these scenarios together and we really, enumerate these different things and so or I'll finish my research and then I'll hand it over to one of my teammates with a different view than I do and they'll say you know this is really good research but have you thought about these points I'll be like no I didn't think about those points why would I think about those points those are dumb Mm -hmm. points I'll be like no they're not and then I'll research them (laughs) well I I really love that I mean all, all too often especially in these days where everything everyone's so diabolically opposed to everyone else like yeah. <laughs> you ha- have finding someone that you can truly have that conversation with and and not take it personally um because a it's important for your role but b it also helps you learn and grow um is very important and whether that is in a mentor a coworker things like that uh i, I think it's very important that you highlight that um and anything else that you would recommend? Uh, so, so far we've talked about um, OSINT. We've talked about uh, an open-minded approach um, to threat intelligence. What about tools? Any recommendations for tools or um, things that individuals should work on from a hard skills point of view? So I always gave so much crap to GitHub um, just because I was completely ignorant on it. You know, people were always talking about it. And I was like, nah. No, no, no. Until um, two years ago when I was like, oh, okay, GitHub's kind of amazing. It has all these tools on it. So GitHub is the number one resource that I recommend to anyone in any of the security fields because you can go into GitHub and you can use a search term to find whatever tool you're looking for. I found Tor crawlers on there. I found uh, GitHub reach uh, searches on there. And Mm -hmm. you can also find compilations of credential pace on there. I mean, it's just amazing. So GitHub's the number one place where I start. The other place is called the OSINT framework. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And that one, one of my mentors had showed me, it's amazing. The OSINT framework has just hundreds of tools listed on it for the different things that you want to do um, or what you're searching for. So if you are searching for uh, where URLs have been mentioned or where URLs are potentially blacklisted, you can go into the OSINT framework and click on, you know, it's a nice little stack page. You click on URLs and then you can select any of those tools. Wow, that, that's perfect. Um, yeah, share share the link with that. That would be another useful resource to uh, share with others. Um, and now, as as you think about your experience um, in networking, in SOC analyst, in threat intelligence, um, do you notice any themes outside of um, being able to communicate with people that is very helpful for someone looking to break in? Yeah, um, humble, being humble <laughs> is really important. There was the scale that um, one of my teammates had showed me a while back. It, it, it's a curve that shows, you know, you know this amount of knowledge and security, but you feel this high up uh, with your confidence. And then, you know, this much in security, but you feel really down here. <laughs> so when you're just getting in, even though you feel like you're on top of the world and you know everything, mm-hmm. Just remember, those of us with more seniority in the industry are laughing at you. And also, you know, humble yourself a little down because you will reach that point where you know this much and then you just drop down. You're just like, I don't know anything. <laughs> so humbleness. <laughs> and what are some of the, the, the things that you do to keep yourself um, up with all the changing changes in technology. I mean, the, every week there's a new tool, every week there's yes. um, a new technique. Um, everyone's developing new ways to do things. How do you stay on top of your game? The great thing about threat intelligence and the place I work at is we're constantly researching. So for me, it's not an issue being up to date on everything. I will say though, when I was working in a SOC position, how I would stay up to date was either following security news or working on a certificate, whether I was actually going out and getting that certificate, I was just studying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, LinkedIn is a really good place to find um, either podcasts to listen to, or there's usually some, uh, sorry, I got distracted, <laughs> kind of ADHD. Uh, there's usually some videos showing you new things to do, or there'll mm-hmm. be seminars for you to see. So. You just kind of look for it. It's always going to be out there. You really have to, you can't just sit there and be like, nothing's going to change or, you know, I'm going to stay up to date with it just because of my work. It's, it's, you got to be active in it. And you mentioned some certifications or, or there are some that you found that were extremely helpful for you, whereas others might not have been as helpful for you, specifically in the CTI role for those looking to go into the CTI space? Oh, yeah. Um, And I know a lot of these certificates get crap, but you know what? I don't care. So these certificates did help me. Uh, Linux Plus, done by CompTIA, Mm -hmm. uh, really gives you good Linux background knowledge. If, whether you choose to go out and get that cert or not, just reading about it and studying it is good. Uh, the other one I would recommend is Network Plus. I wish I had paid more attention in my Network Plus class and hadn't forgotten everything as soon as I was like, 
I don't want to be a network administrator. (laughs) I wish I had kept that knowledge around because now in my specific area, it's like so valuable. And I, I have my network plus book over there. I'm still reading through it just to get that knowledge back. And third is the certified ethical hacker one. You know, that one gets so much backlash. Um, And I used to be one of those people that were like, it's a vocabulary test. Why would I want to take that? Until I actually started studying for it. (laughs) And I learned so much from certified ethical hacker. I mean, it taught me so many different tools. It taught me laws that I didn't know were out there, like the Sarbanese Oxley Act is really important to know. And just, you know, I think those are three basic certs that anyone can get and anyone can learn a lot from. Perfect, perfect. Well, we're we're about to wrap up. We have about two minutes left. Um, Typically the last question I ask is if you had to summarize all your advice into one piece of sage advice for someone looking to break into this field, um, what would that one piece of advice be? You will never know everything, but that doesn't mean you should stop trying. Yeah. Perfect. Wow. I love it. I love it. Eternal curiosity, right? Yes. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Well, Bethany, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, And if in a year, two years, you ever want to come back and share your growth, share with others, we'd be happy to have you on. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on today and um, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was fun for me. Perfect. Well, to all the listeners, thank you very much. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on um, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on our YouTube channel. That way you can keep up with all of our episodes. And we look forward to talking to you on the next time we have our guests at 1 p.m. on Fridays. Thank you very much and have a great day. Goodbye. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.